Hello, I'm Dan Reeves and welcome to Very Important, Very Serious, the podcast where we take a deep dive into a wonderful world of nonsense to see what treasures it can throw up for us. And face, uh, eye, nose. Joining me today with his paper mache hat and sticky pims jug, it's the ice cream man's bit on the side, it's Adam Furman. With tuppence for hairspray and things You can see how it all begins With your feet in your socks You're a boy in my box With your hand holding tight To your comb in the night Oh, whoa, whoa Let's go curl his hair Trust me, I'll take you there Let's go curl his hair and send him scorning up to the Eastbourne Pier, up where the air is clear. Oh, let's go curl his hair. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, sir. That was a fantastic intro and specific details about my hometown, Eastbourne. Shout out to the Eastbourne Massive. Does it have a... It's funny when the cameras are on. You instantly turn into this kind of like 90s MTV presenter. Yeah, I was waiting for the red light to appear. Yeah, no red light here. No. Is there a pier at Eastbourne? There is an Eastbourne pier. Yeah. Yeah, It is. It's called... uh, It's recently been uh, bought out um, by a shake and it's now called Shake's Pier. Is Um, it actually? 100%. That's not a joke, yes. Shake? Yes. What's he doing with it? Uh, Well, he's... uh, I don't know. At the moment, he's just embossed gold lines onto all of the lampposts along the pier. I'm not too sure. He so he, own, he owns the lampposts as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know what he's doing and what the reason is for the lions, but um, they, they look great. Yeah, so, I mean, what would yeah. I do if I was a sheikh and I'd obtained a pier? I'd probably lock it down and I'd have it to myself. Yeah, well, absolutely. Have I think a retro arcade. He, he did that over lockdown. I just saw him at the very end on a deck chair. Yeah. Um, is yeah. it one of those piers that has one of those trains to get you to the end of the pier? No, that's the only one that has that is uh, is the longest pier in, in, in the UK, which is a mile long, maybe even Europe. I can't remember where that How is. How do you know about that's, that? Because I, I, you know, you know, I've, I've been there. I know piers. I, but I've, you don't... Re- you we, forgot a conversation we had an hour ago yeah, on the phone. Well, it was... Uh, you know, I, that typically happens... I get bored, but I, you know, right, okay. I, I've lived near piers my entire life. It's most people that live near a pier. It's their it's their job and duty to know every pier uh, in, in the UK. Okay, well, answer me this: Why do so many of them catch fire? Uh, it's usually arson, but um, also uh, sometimes that's bored seaside children. Typically, yeah, I, I think a bit like the railway children. Yeah, and also they they they're, they're not they're not treated properly. So if it gets too hot, yeah, with the climate change, the uh, the piers tend to combust. Right, okay. So, mm, yeah, well, I can definitely see the arson thing. I'm not sure. Um... No, no, combusting piers is a thing as well. You can look it, that up. Yeah. Is it actually? It's to do with the lacquer they put on the uh, wood. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. What, because it's under so much direct sun? Correct, exactly that. Yeah. The pier podcast. Yeah. So I was I was on a sun I was on a deck chair at the end of the pier last week. I was mm. drinking beers on the end of the pier with my friend Jeffrey, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was very good actually. We just uh, put our feet up, and then yeah. uh, I have a photo. I think I sent you. It's very obscure though. I I, was, I didn't realise there was a child in the photograph, and the child's gone to grab my hand right at the moment the photo's taken, and it's making quite a weird face. Yeah. Um. So the photo that I thought would be me very coolly sitting on the end of the pier is actually me with a disgruntled child. Yeah. Uh. Looks a bit like a front cover of Nafis twin album. You sent me that, and yeah. it's you said which one of these. Uh, for my Hinge profile and you sent me a selection and the, the child one was the first one Shit, yeah, and it just right. looks like you're grabbing the thigh of a child see I thought it looked affectionate at first now the no, more and I know don't you shouldn't use children as props yeah you're right okay alright well sorry well, that's fine yeah. last week you were doing quite an interesting uh, job weren't you you were photographing 
tree houses of all things um and, and something yeah. happened didn't it let's um let's have a listen to a note you sent me mate i'm shooting a tree house today in the back garden of a wealthy couple's estate um i've been trapped in the tree house now for two hours the hatch is locked down i can't get out and every now and again the wife keeps uh, coming out with a tray of cakes looking for me and i keep catching her eye through the top window of the tree house but uh, she doesn't come to let me out mate so i'm just sat here I can't imagine what my face must look like to look back at her, but uh, she won't come and let me out, mate. I'm not sure what to do. Just before you explain this, and I want an explanation as to what happened, I picked up on something when I heard this voice note, something I hadn't noticed before. Mm. You actually have quite a cinematic twang to your voice. Just just have another listen. Mate, I'm shooting a treehouse today in the back garden of a wealthy couple's estate. Um, I've been trapped in the treehouse now for two hours. The hatch is locked down. I can't get out. And every now and again, the wife keeps uh, coming out with a tray of cakes looking for me. And I keep catching her eye. Uh, she doesn't come to let me out, mate. So I'm just sat here. I can't imagine what my face must look like to look back at her, but uh, she won't come and let me out, mate. I'm not sure what to do. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Quite yeah. cinematic. Yeah, you know, I, you know I've, I was a stunt double for uh, Dame Judy Dench. Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. What Ju- happened then? On, what happened on that job? I was, uh, I was, I was shooting a treehouse for a young boy. Um, he didn't employ me. It was the architect of the treehouse, but it was a young boy that greeted me at the door, uh, which I found on. He directed me to the treehouse, ushered me up into the treehouse. How did you um, greet? Hang on. How did you greet? We all know how you greet a man. How did you greet a boy? Well, I uh, I rang a bell, um, and then he appeared with a uh, what looked like a super soaker um, at the door. Very small child, um, and uh, I thought, well, is his dad in? And he goes, No, you're here for the treehouse. I said, Yeah. yeah. He goes, right, I'll show you up. Right. It was weird because when we went into the treehouse, I didn't realise. I thought the treehouse was man size. It isn't. It's boy size so i'm i'm going in there and he's casually walking around it's quite spacious for him but for yeah. me i'm hunched double okay uh, i had to fit a tripod up there and take photos of it for him for him apparently I, I, I don't know and his mother occasionally came out uh with cakes which i thought were actually for me they weren't for, they were for, they were for the young boy how did you get trapped in the treehouse well it's got a catch and i'm not sure to this day whether or not it locked on me or whether or not this small child <laughs> locked it behind him uh, <laughs> but either way it was a very awkward in- encounter and uh yeah i'm still traumatized to be honest I, i'll be I'll be putting some more stuff into my rate card next time I do a shoot for a treehouse. Yeah. How long were you in the treehouse for? It was about six hours, mate. Wow. Yeah. Did you have a drink? No, I had nothing. No. I had a camera and a tripod. Just came out with very parched uh, lips. Yeah, well, and a yeah. hunchback. You've seen that when you get really dry lips, it goes white. Yeah, I, I, it always happens to me. And I, my, my friends actually now get to the point, they're just very direct. Have a white, mate. They Have a white. Yeah, yeah, wipe it off. Yeah, I mean, we don't carry hankies anymore, do we? We should. No, that's true. Um, now, things are starting to look a bit more positive in general in the UK. Um, and I managed to catch a particularly uplifting story on BBC News this week, which I thought was quite nice. Yeah. It was about the easing of COVID restrictions. Um, that we're actually helping a, uh, a well-known fisherman. Should we have a listen? Please. Here we go. Good evening. Bearded geriatric mariner Captain Birdseye has been given permission by the Coast Guard to resume his much-loved annual kiddie cruise. The voyage, headed by 60-year-old Birdseye and supported by a crew of blonde children, sails around the port of Dover, promoting the elderly captain's breaded fish sticks. When asked for his thoughts regarding the easing of COVID restrictions for mariners, Captain Birdseye said, The secret's in the golden crumb. (laughs) Nice to hear about that. I guess is you, that the Captain Birdseye that puts out the fish fingers? Yeah, on his uh, on his kitty on his kitty cruise. I heard Golden Crumb. Why? I'm going to ask the question. Yeah. Why is it? Because it's crewed exclusively by children. Yeah. 
blonde children. I d- I've noticed. Why is that? I don't, is he still wearing a yellow anorak? No, I don't. Did he ever wear that? I, oh, that's really old. And a grey beard. Yeah, I think they've upgraded him actually to like an Italian kind of well s- stud. Okay, right. I see. And he's, he, I know he's always had the children that follow him. I don't. I'm not too sure what that's about. He's the Pied Piper of breaded fish. Yeah. The um. So what's what's weirder, the old man with a crew of children or the Italian model with a crew of children? Well, the reason they've done that is actually um, they, 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 they found it quite offensive, uh, fishermen, and they've been rivalling against the adverts of how they depict fishermen in ads. Is that true? And specifically, uh, yeah, the Captain Bird's Eyes. They right. want a more realistic version. Fishermen uh, against fisherman. media. There's a, there's a fisherman committee. Right, OK, and they're protesting against adverts. Yeah. OK, curious. Um, you, you got caught short, didn't you, at Broadway Market? Yeah, I've been caught short a few times there. I, I, I go, I frequent there daily. I've got a routine. Mm. I like to get myself a coffee and a juice. Mm. Um, it's essentially liquid consumption on the high street, as well as walking up and down the. I don't know if anyone's been to Broadway Market, but it's essentially a hipster's catwalk. Well, what happens uh, at Broadway Market yeah. is it's very busy, and you get these uh, well, these gentlemen often who wear long black flowing robes, yeah. and they're certainly not men of the clergy. Mm. They're more likely men of digital advertising, and so the priest of social reach <laughs> is a much more fitting term. And I, we imagine them walking down with you know the silver things on yeah. chains. Right. having churches yes. but instead of that it's a, it's an oat flat white and yeah. they just go along <laughs> anointing people with oat flat white with their thumb I bless you my child may yeah. priest of social reach yeah absolutely one lump or two yeah one yeah. lump <laughs> but yeah I don't know what this this trend is it's, it's very odd yeah yeah. so that, that high street essentially is a catwalk for all of those trendy hipsters what did you hear a woman asking for once yeah, she asked for a baby Chino, and I thought, okay, that's some kind of new trend. And then I realised she had two two-year-old children on the on the on the floor there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, these. Well, were, hang on, on the floor. Yeah, well, they were just you know so far down. Okay, you yeah, to and, you towering yeah. over them. And then she she got these two little, essentially uh, tiny little like taster pots you get for ice cream. Oh. And they had co- and they had a little lid on. Yeah. And, uh, and then and the kid, one of them said, "Look, no lid for me. I'm you know save the planet." And I was like, "That's ridiculous." <laughs> two baby Chinos. Yeah, baby Chinos. So, um. I don't know if you know, but Alexa has a whisper mode. Uh, right, so yeah. if you whisper to her, mm. she'll whisper back. So at night you could say, Alexa, what's the time? And she'd come back. Now, it's quite useful. Does she whisper back? Yeah, it's quite useful. Um, but it can also uh, make the most innocent statements sound very suggestive, uh, just like this. I want to invite you round for a cheese board, then wrap you up in a weighted blanket. Or something as innocent as this. Let's go to the garden centre and touch all the terracotta paths without prior permission. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have, I don't know if uh, either of you actually can relate to this, things people have said to you over your lifetime uh, that will never leave your mind, okay? Some of the ones that won't leave my mind, wash my undercarriage, cut through the grease, and also the word taint. These are things that are always somewhere in the back of my mind and certain things will trigger them. Yeah, no, I hate wet my whistle. Yeah. And I do hate, and this is a bit crude, but I'm going to say it anyway, wash my winky in your kitchen sinky is a phrase. Quite specific. (laughs) It's not a phrase, but I can't stand the word, I hate to say it, belly. I hate the word belly. Oh, okay. Oh, it hurts my belly. Dicky belly. Yeah, that. Mucky body. Gets me. Two mummy phrases where they put Y's at the end of phrases to try and make it sound more childlike. Mm. So you're affiliating the child and you say something with with a way more of a childlike term. Mucky botty. Mm. Mucky botty. Dicky belly. Bot is another word. Bot. I don't know if I should share this, but you know. I have got quite a... um, a, The way my mind works is really... 
I'm if worried. I shouldn't, I'm really worried. If I shouldn't do something, I do it. And yeah. I have done to an ex-girlfriend before. I've currently I've flailed around on a bed and uh, had a mock-up nappy on and said, change me. <laughs> this is yeah. not coming in the show. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh. <laughs> she, she broke up with me instantly. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. Where did you get a mock nappy from? I well, you know, I, I got a, a big white towel. Actually, it was one from a hotel that I'd used. With the giant safety. We were pin. on a staycation at the time. Yeah. You know? I just thought to myself, I, I I shouldn't do this, and thus need to do it. Uh, and I th- I think obviously. So you roll back. Describe what you did. I basically uh, went onto the bed. Uh, I actually threw a bit of talc around. Had a a big white towel, essentially like a sumo wrestling towel. That I laid on, <laughs> formed it into a nappy, and I said, um, you know, change me, change me. And and you're no longer with that girl. Oh no, that relationship dissolved the second that happened. Yeah, uh, but it was worth it. <laughs> I can imagine. That's, now I'll never, yeah. I'll never do that again. Yeah. Um, are you aware of Peloton? Those fancy bikes. Yeah. Uh, how am I not aware of Peloton? Because they're everywhere. Do you know yeah. what? I hate yeah. those things. Um, well, my my dad seemed to think that one of his good friends had a Peloton bike and was quite jealous. But when he showed me the picture, yeah. it was just like a '90s exercise bike with a Dell computer strapped. <laughs> Literally fucking ratcheted to the side of it. He's like, he's got one of those pellets. I was like, it's not that, Dad. It's not that. Um, I'm not to get, yeah, you know. That's classic. Yeah. Moving on. General knowledge. As you get older and you experience more things in life, your interests diversify. And the theory is your general knowledge should expand and improve as you go. Would you say that's true for you, Adam Furman? Yeah. You're learning all the time, aren't you? Yeah. And you've got a few years on me, so let's put that general knowledge to the test. Happily. As we play a brand new game on the show, this is true or not true. True or not true. Yeah, you. Yes, welcome to true or not true. Yeah, you. So in front of me, I have five statements. I'm going to read you each one, and you will have to tell me if it's true or not true. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. Okay. So, if you're ready, let's play True or Not True. True or Not True. Question one. In 2004, telecoms giant Virgin Media invested £6 million in a staff training scheme centred around the morals of fictional ruffian Bill Sykes. True or not true? (laughs) I'm going to say that's not true. Not true. I haven't really got any reasoning for that, but I'm going to trust my instinct. So they didn't do it? No, I don't think so. I'm afraid you're wrong. It's true. The company saw record profits after staff adopted a what-would-Bill-do attitude. Broadband engineers were issued with a bull terrier and call centre staff encouraged to carry clubs whilst wearing scruffy top hats. Okay, all right, I'll let that one go. Okay, get ready for the next one. Here we go. True or not true? Question two. Dragon's Den star Deborah Meaden carries a large hemp truncheon with her at all times. When fully extended, the truncheon reaches 12 inches and boasts a girth of 3.5 inches. True or not true? Yeah. Did you say hemp truncheon? Correct. Okay. Yeah, that sounds true. Uh, She's a very, very tight and uptight and stressful woman. Okay. And so she needs the hemp. uh, And yeah, I, I, I presume that she might feast on the hemp as well as beat with the hemp. Okay, interesting. Well, it's true. The truncheon, referred to by Meaden as her hemp helper, has only ever been used once, and that's to force open a stubborn crate of duck eggs for her gout-ridden neighbour. So well done, Um, you got that right. Um, Next one. True or not true? 
Question three. In 1973, the DVLA built a private staff tapas bar at its head office in Swansea. The fully licensed restaurant was installed to raise morale for its downtrodden employees. True or not true? I actually think that's true. I, I heard about this. They have themed bars, ah. and they and, and they literally um, they have like a red light and a green light mm. where they can tell you whether or not the food is ready or not. Ah, okay. And um, they use the the hand to yeah. stop you from coming, and then the, the fist Fine. to allow you to yeah. come in. Well, that's quite close. Um, it is true. The bar known as Tapas Treat was situated on the ground floor of DVLA headquarters. Staff could earn points, like those issued to rule-breaking drivers, which could then be exchanged for rich tapas dishes yeah. instead of fines or That's prosecution. Brilliant. Okay, next one. True or not true? Question four. The term roly-poly is wholly owned by Harvester Restaurant Group, who coined the term to covertly identify buffet customers who were attempting to consume an above-average quantity of potato product. <laughs> the thing is, although I would love to say that's true, mm. as recently mentioned in the show, we all know the phrase roly-poly came from mums that like to talk to their children okay. and uh, give them affection after where they essentially just manage to put their heads and feet uh, under each other. Right, okay. And they said, oh, you know, roly-poly. Roly-poly. To, to mother them. So um, you think it's a mum thing? It's an affectionate mum term. I'm afraid you're wrong. It's true. Harvester restaurants no. have many... No. Harvester restaurants have many covert terms to identify food theft at buffets, such as a knick-knack paddywhacker, someone who consumes an above-average volume of cocktail sausages. Ah, see. That know. was true or not true. True or not true. Okay, moving on. Uh, they need to fact check that. Do they? Paddy Wacker and, and Roly Poly. Yeah. Okay, we'll get that fact check. That's yeah. fine. So let's do also, a... There's a Paddy Poly as well. It's an Irish uh, an Irish stuntman that can basically do speci specifically do very good Roly Polies. Do you need a stuntman to perform a Roly Poly? Well, yeah, they're called Paddy Polies. 30 second challenge. Adam Furman, you have, get ready, 30 seconds to talk about... Cream. Oh. Three, two, one. Cream. And face, uh, eye, uh, nose. Not not nose or eye because in eye really stings. Uh, SPF 50, a type of cream, uh, smother on face, uh, shield from UV. Uh, you know, uh, number five, uh, number seven. Uh, You're just saying numbers. Number seven, moisturizer cream. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, uh, Sudacreme, uh, one of the famous creams for cream. uh, massaging and cleaning. But, um, uh, uh, you know, cake cream. I like cake cream. Stop. That was a good selection. Mainly sort of creams uh, you'd obtain from Boots, yeah. finishing with a sort of cream that you, you would eat. Yeah. Uh, and Sudacream mentioned there. Mm. Now, I'm sure yeah. we're both aware of the man, the legend, that is Yankee Doodle. Yes. Uh, he went to town riding on a pony. We also know he stuck a feather in his hat mm -hmm. and called it macaroni. Mm. But are we aware of where Yankee Doodle came from? I've been doing some digging over the past few months, and I believe I found the real Yankee Doodle. His name is Noah Grubb. He's a plant hire manager from Bristol. So let's try. Chris has got the number, I think. Let's try and get Noah Grubb on the line. Oh, fantastic. And speak to the man behind the macaroni. Hello? Noah? Hi, it's Dan Reeves on the Very Important, Very Serious. Hiya. 
No, look, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. Uh, tell us a bit more about how you became the inspiration for Yankee Doodle. Well, yeah, I was riding this little pony around the village where I'm from, uh, going to get some eggs, I think. And this man just came out of nowhere with a notepad and pen. He says, I'm going to write a poem about you and that pony, and I'm going to call you Yankee Doodle. Okay, what do you, you say to that? To be honest, the pony was going at quite a pace. I was going downhill at the time, so I didn't really have a chance to come back to him. I just sort of nodded. Uh, and were you wearing a hat at the time, Noah? Nope, didn't have a hat. Never worn hats. Didn't have a feather either. The only bit was, uh, was the pony. Okay, no, if you don't mind me asking, do you get any money from this at all? Any royalties? Well, I haven't seen a thing from it. Bloke asked to have his picture taken with me at the church barn darns once. I said no. Didn't like the look of him. Okay. <laughs> Can I give a quick shout out? Yeah. Hello to my lovely wife, Jean. She didn't listen to this, but I'll tell her I said her name. Well, okay, well, hello, Jean, and thank you, Noah Grubb, the real Yankee Doodle. Mm. Cheers, Noah. <laughs> Bye. See ya. He's gone. There you have it, the story behind uh, the real uh, Yankee Doodle there. That's, yeah, that's impressive. Oh. oh. Sorry, thought I'd turn that off. That's all right. Yeah. Okay, it's a text from Lloyd Webber. He says, hello, guys, check this out. Got a big sack of those red 50p binoculars you get on the back of seats in theatres. Oh, what? Looking to get rid quick. Can you put the word out? Cheers, Webs. So how many is he selling? Because if they're going at the same rate that they're getting, you know, encased in the uh, theatres for, it's usually yeah. a pound 50 now. Could you take them from the seat if you wanted to? Well, I think that the rumour is they're going to change them to contactless. Oh, contactless binoculars. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Does, yeah. do, have you ever used the binoculars? Uh, I have used the binoculars, yeah. You have? Unfortunately, I think they're designed for people from maybe 100 years ago when their eyes were slightly close together because when I try <laughs> and put them to my face, they usually wedge onto my nose Yeah, I can't take them back off. Now, moving on. At one time in our lives, I'm sure we've all come face-to-face -face with a Cockney. A cheeky chappy with a twinkle in his eye and a story to tell. But... Did you know Cockneys are renowned for their almost superhuman memories, even being used by police as expert witnesses to recall events or identify persons that can lead to a successful prosecution? Uh, it comes down to how well you can translate the memories. So do you think, Adam Furman, you can translate a Cockney memory? I could definitely translate a Cockney and also, wow... So here we go. Join us, if you will, as we play a brand new game on the show. This is Cockney Memories. Cockney Memories, Cockney Memories, tales from long, long ago. I'll recount them, you'll enjoy them, then you'll tell me on the show. <laughs> Yes, welcome to Cockney Memories. Thank you. I have managed to obtain a number of these archive recordings mm. of real Cockney Memories ah. from years gone by. Adam Furman, uh, we're going to see if you can translate the Cockney memories uh, into English for us. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. So let's play Cockney memory number one. It was summer, 76. I will run in this penny cup quick, flogging knock-off pimple and blotch down the local near and far. I'll tell you, it didn't make me rich, but it gave me enough for me pick and roast. God blimey, what a memory. <clears throat> you know, dear, you're nodding. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a sock merchant. 
He was dealing in socks. Okay. And he... Uh, Why do you think socks? Well, it depends what type... Again, uh, it It's the always, dialect, okay. Mm, I think he was a sock merchant. Okay. He was dealing in socks and he got caught short one day uh, for having uh, stolen socks. So usually I'd give you the answer here. Okay. Uh, but in this case, due to that complexity, uh, and I don't speak Cockney, I thought it best to bring in an expert to give us the answers. Fantastic. So uh, please welcome Professor Patricia Moxley from the School of Cockney. I'm Patricia Moxley from the School of Cockney. Here the Cockney is recalling the year of 76, when he was running a penny come quick, or trick, where he would sell bootleg pimple and blotch, scotch, at the near and far bar. Oh. But the scam was short-lived and only made him enough for his pig and roast. That's Cockney for toast. Well, there you go. He was running a scam. Yeah. So you were close. Yeah, you know, again, it is it is very tough uh, to always understand the, the word of Cockney, but... This is Cockney memory number two. I remember back when I was with me second cow and kisses, I took her to this gay and I. This gaff had the nicest bob opa I've ever tried. I couldn't stop smelling me hands for weeks after. Gaw blimey, what a memory. <laughs> What was that? Yeah, okay, that one's an easy one. Uh, his ex-girlfriend, he, oh. he, he took to a soap dealer. Oh. And uh, she was washing her hands and he was washing his hands in this particular type of soap. The smell uh, was phenomenal. I think. Well, let's listen to Patricia Moxley. That was a very... I'm Patricia yeah. Moxley from the School of Cockney. Well, here the Cockney remembers being with his second cow and kisses. That's Cockney for missus. He then speaks about taking her to a gay and hearty party Fancy. where he experienced the nicest Bob Hope. That's Cockney for soap. There you go. There you are. You were right. Well done. Okay, yeah. last one. Here we go. Listen to this one. My old dad used to work down the rattle and clank. He had this awful syrup of figs he did, and all he tumbled down the sink was satin and silk. <laughs> oh, blimey. What a memory. What was that? Syrup and fig. Go on. Could be twig. Oh, so close. Uh, Not that I know. And rattle and clank is um, no, I can't. I, again, I, it's it's a this is a tough, a tough translation well, process. Well, let's ask Patricia Moxley from the School of Cockney. I'm Patricia Moxley from the School of Cockney. Here, the Cockney talks about his late father, who held a job down the rattle and clank bank. He recalls his nah. father having an awful syrup of figs, wig, and that all he would tumble down the sink, drink, was satin and silk. That's Cockney milk. Milk. for milk. Yes. Well, well done. You got a few there. Um, yeah. And that was uh, Cockney Memories. Cockney Memories, Cockney Memories, tales from long, long ago. I'll recount them, you'll enjoy them, then you'll tell me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> now, <clears throat> well, let's do, let's do some listeners' questions. Okay, great. Um, let's set the tone with some uh, choral music. And uh, put on your priest hat, Mr. Furman, as uh, we try and help this person. Okay, this is from Jack Grumpet. Jack says, Dear Dan and Adam, To keep occupied over lockdown, I set myself the task of creating the shiniest coffee table ever seen. I set to work crafting the table, and after only one week, its primary structure was done, allowing me to then spend three months polishing and varnishing the table till it reached a level of sheen never seen. Finally, it was ready. I summoned my wife to the garage and with a flick of my wrist revealed the table from under its bath towel sheath. My wife stared at the table, awestruck. We were both in its shiny grasp. After a while, my fascination with the table faded, but sadly, my wife's did not. 
she became infatuated with its glossy top and slender sheen-enriched legs. I was now competing with the table for her affections. So I did what any man would do. I tried to make myself as shiny as possible. Starting subtly at first, using, <laughs> using more moisturiser than normal, leaving my hands wetter for longer, or trying to sweat strategically. But all to no avail. She only had eyes for the shiny table, or shable. I ramped up my pursuit of gloss. After my morning shower, I'd paint a thick layer of cooking oil over my entire body. This gave a shine, but would also attract flies and dust particles. So by the end of each day, I looked more like a discarded sweet wrapper than a shiny man. I'm lost about what to try next. Please help me be as shiny as my shable and win my wife back. Thanks, Jack Grumpet. How are we going to help Jack Grumpet there? It's that classic table fable. Yeah. We know it well. I've, I've got an easy answer for this man. I'm going to help him out. Go on. Uh, I've been and encountered this problem many times in the past. Um, you want to get what, yourself... Like sexual competition between furniture? Yeah. Any okay. Furniture with a sheen, usually. Uh, yeah. And it's a particular scent that seems to bring them back. Okay. Pledge. Pledge. Get her some pledge. Yeah. Him some pledge. Oh. Yeah. Um, you want the new, uh, the ro for robust furniture version. Wow. Um, that will do the trick. If it doesn't, I, I have a couple of other brands I could recommend, but trust me, it usually works straight off the bat. So you're saying to Jack Grumpet, apply pledge as you would your yeah. normal um, eau de toilette. Yeah. There's also a, a, a calling or a mating um, gesture you can do, uh, affirm the shape of a chair. Wow. Uh, and they will come calling. After a while. That's okay, right. well, there you yeah. go, Jack Grumpet. Uh, Adam says, uh, spray yourself in pledge. And um, yeah, I agree. Keep uh, a stiff upper lip, Grumpet. Yeah, everything's going to be okay. Smile for us, Grumpet. Yeah. Good. Uh, so we are coming to the end of this week's show. Uh, if you got as far as this, you may have enjoyed it. Uh, so if you have a moment, please leave us a review on iTunes or yeah, share the show. No, please do. Please do. Yeah. Or share the show to someone who has a nice face. As always, you can subscribe and follow us on Spotify, iTunes and Amazon Music or wherever you consume your podcasts. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. And as always, measured thanks to Adam Furman. Mm -hmm. Say goodbye. Good, good, goodbye. Say goodbye is the ice cream man's bit on the side. Goodbye. Very sinister. Do join us again next time for a load more nonsense. Goodbye. Let's go to the garden centre and touch all the terracotta paths without prior permission.